Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Dude, two back-to-back losses, man. Yeah, against some good teams, but back-to-back losses. And we're going to dive into the Philadelphia one first. That was the first home loss of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's more than it was against the Sixers. Nothing can last forever. It was a good run. The Sixers, man, that sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, we kind of knew that the Celtics had no answer for Joel Embiid, right? I, I mean, like, center is the clear weak spot here. And as great as Tice has been, he's not a strong guy to be going up against Joel Embiid like that. No, and to be fair, there's not many teams that do have the answer to Joel Embiid. We did last year with Al Horford, and then Al Horford joined them. Yeah, and kind of sad that Al wasn't there. It probably would have been a worse result for the Celtics, uh, but I, I wish we would have seen Al get a little bit of um, a little bit of love during his time on the court. But, um, you know, maybe talking about that Embiid thing a little bit, I think that we had kind of hypothesized it before, but Cantor really seemed to be the best matchup against him because of that strength. Yeah, he done well down in the post. Um, you'd see throughout the game at certain points when Embiid was being matched up with Kanta that Embiid would start popping from the halfway halfway line from the mid-range line and then from beyond three as well he wasn't regular but he was definitely keeping Kanta on his toes making him know that he isn't just a back to the basket type of big but it was definitely our best bet whenever we felt like Embiid was getting too hot was to throw a big body on him like Kanta but the, the thing is the way Embiid played last night he was in unstoppable mode. He, nobody could have stopped him the way he played last night. He was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, Embiid has potential to be one of the best players in the league. Like, he can be the most dominant guy. And TNT did a really cool segment of uh, Shaq and Charles Barkley really giving Embiid a hard time after his last game, saying that he was playing too casual. He wasn't enforcing himself and dominating. And Embiid seemed to really take that to heart. He responded to it at the TD Garden in the pregame interviews and also talked to both of those guys after, you know, Shaq saying, yeah, I'm not impressed with you getting 24 or 26 points. Like, you should be able to do that every single night in your sleep. I want you getting 30 or whatever. And uh, yeah, Charles said, you know, I don't expect you to get 38 every single night, but you need to be dominating like the way that you did. Shaq's like, I know Charles said I don't ex- he doesn't expect it, but I do. Like, and Embiid really is that good, that he warrants all that praise. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's interesting that Cantor was the best defensive matchup here against one of those great guys. It makes sense with his familiarity with post-play. But the offensive side for Boston was a big issue here as well, right? Yeah, so throughout the game, they did manage to keep quite close uh, up until the last fourth quarter, well, the fourth quarter, the last half of the fourth quarter. Which has been a problem. It was an issue against Indiana. It was two poor performances right in crunch time when the, when we really needed some good play. Kemba started off strong. In fact, looked like he'd carried over a bit of that shooting that he'd shown in Indiana. He went a bit cold as the game wore on, as did a lot of the other guys. Tatum struggled a bit. Not as bad as he did in Indiana, but he still had his issues. 
Brown looked okay, but he wasn't asserting himself the same way. It looked like they were scared to drive. That was something that I felt. I felt like as the game wore on, they became less team orientated and more individually focused, which was a problem last year. And it felt like because of the adversity and this was a tough team, maybe their confidence wasn't there for some reason coming off that loss in Indy, that it all kind of the team chemistry kind of went out the window a bit and everybody was just trying to make their own looks. It's just how I felt. Other people might have seen it different. Yeah, it wasn't great, dude. I mean, Cancer had 20. That was a nice touch. I was shocked that he was shooting from around about the nail as well. Yeah, and no fear going against Embiid and making Embiid work on the defensive end. I, I thought that was great. Cantor uh, definitely impressed me with this one after I've been pretty low on him at times throughout this year. Um, and And yeah, I thought that the guys were settling a bit too much. Like, like you mentioned, they went away from the ball movement at times and it felt like there were a lot of mid range attempts or maybe not fully mid range, but more so floater and not fully getting to the rim really be uh, credit to this Philadelphia defense. But I thought that the Celtics could have done a better job taking advantage of like Tobias Harris or Mike Scott being out there um, and really, most of that falls on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for me. That's how they've been getting success all year, dude. Driving hard, getting to the line, cutting off ball. The offense did seem stagnant in that way. When people were cutting, they weren't cutting at like full speed. It wasn't a hard cut. So when you're cutting and it's a blase, you know, you're jogging or you're three-quarter speed, you're giving the defense time to get back in front of you. You need to be sprinting on cuts just to allow the rotations to kind of open up the gap for the ball handler to drive or to kick out. That wasn't really happening. Tatum settled for quite a few mid-range or some turnaround faders, which is fine if you're feeling it. If if they're falling, then great. If they're not, then move the ball on. It was frustrating, dude. I mean, one of the notes I did take was that for all the damage Embiid did, our bigs combined to kind of match his points production. So we had, Tice had a season-high 16 points. Cantor and Tice combined for 36 points and 14 rebounds. We didn't, to me, everybody's like, I've read a lot on Twitter uh, when I woke up saying, oh, this is evidence that we need to trade for a big. What big out there are we going to trade for? And who are we going to be giving up? It, I, I just don't see where there's anybody available. Right, and with this little stretch that's going on, I think the Celtics have, what, four or five days without a game. That that conversation is definitely going to be happening, but we've dived into it a little bit, and that, that conversation is not outdated at all. So definitely, if you have those trade questions, go back and listen to that episode. But it, it was more than Embiid, you know? I think that the Celtics were doubling Embiid often, just like you should, and they saw it against Sabonis as well in the previous game in Indiana. And it was the defensive rotations after the double that really were a question. Like uh, Brad multiple times was was getting on the guys saying that they needed to be more locked in and more intense. And they just, they weren't. They were out of sorts a little bit. And, you know, it's very notable that Marcus Smart was not here for either one of these games. Oh, for sure. And I wasn't trying to lead us into a trade talk. The only reason, just to finish that point, the only reason I was saying it was because, yeah, okay, and be scored that many on his own, but it's not like we didn't have two bigs that we put on the floor that matched his production. So I'm not too worried about the bigs, but yeah, um, there was a few different points of the game where 
turnovers were an issue. I mean, Brown had three of them in the game. Not having Marcus Smart, dude, two straight losses, two games without Marcus Smart. I mean, there's only so much you can assume there. Yeah, and two, in both of these games, really a lot of it goes to the defense. I mean, there were offensive struggles, but the defense, there was just a lot of miscommunication going on. Yeah, he orchestrates it. That's the problem. We rely on Marcus Smart to orchestrate the defense to make reads. And if you miss your, if you miss your cover, Marcus Smart's going to be good, the guy chewing you out. And sometimes that's what you need. Notably as well, uh, Grant Williams got a DMP. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what you think about that because we're talking about the defense. I think that he has his lapses sometimes, just getting used to everything and knowing who is going to... Uh, who who you need to help out, who needs to scram, and who's going to help off what, and just getting used to the defensive systems. But he's overall a very smart defensive player, very capable, uh, guilty of overhelping at times. But with defense really being an issue, would you have liked to see him out there maybe rather than you know some of these Shemi Ojale or Javante Green minutes? I know they're a little bit of a different position at times. but Yeah, I mean, I think Shemi's on his moment at the minute. He's been defending really well. He's hitting his shots for the best part over the last, what, six, seven games now. He's not going to give you bunches of numbers, but he's going to put the clamps on, guys. He didn't do it last night. It would have been nice to see Brad turn to Grant, but I'm assuming that this was more matchup related than anything else. Right. I wonder if Horford was a part of this and they were running both him and... Uh, and be together if that would have been a possibility since obviously Grant is a little bit of a bigger four that can handle those back downs. But Kyle O'Quinn getting 12 minutes and then the rest of them going towards Embiid, neither of those are really uh, comfortable matchups for Grant, especially if you're trying to play him at the five. I mean, noticeably as well, their best def- one of their best defenders in Josh Richardson was on a minutes restriction, which says a lot really when we were already struggling to score with Grant Williams, though, I just wanted to put that out there. With Grant Williams, though, I do feel like he would have been beneficial to the team defending their second unit. It's just, I mean, we don't know why he didn't play. That's Unfortunately, we have no way of finding out why he wasn't on the court. Yeah, and I, I want to clarify, like, I, I believe you feel the same way. We are never criticizing Brad. Like, I oh, no, am, Brad's God. Right. Brad can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. He's a genius of a basketball mind. We're just giving our opinions with it a little bit. I thought Grant would have been interesting in this matchup to see a few minutes. Um, and you mentioned, you mentioned Josh Richardson being on a limit restriction. When he wasn't in, it was Thibault pretty much. Both of those guys guarding Walker. And this one really stood out to me how good Kemba is at working off ball. Like, Thibault is an amazing off-ball defender. It's mainly help defense. It's not as much chasing guys around screens, even though he's capable there. But Kemba, you mentioned his first quarter really doing well. In the entire first half, he had 21 points, but then disappeared in the second with only eight after that. Yeah, and I mean, it's unusual for Kemba to go cold when we need him the most, right? I mean, he's been the guy that certain times he's, carried this team on his back. Um, Brown's done it as well during this, and Tatum has, to be fair. But Kemba is the guy that you look to when the game's like this, you know, when it's the last few minutes, it's a close game. We're getting beat down low. We're struggling to score on the opposite end down low. We need a few mid-range and three-point shots. That's when we look to Kemba. It was just not falling for him. It wasn't his line. Yeah, and 
It's funny. It wasn't his night. He had 29 points. You know, that's just what Kemba's going to do 29 and eight on an off night. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of it, you know, like I kind of mentioned was I think that Richardson and, um, and Thibel are great perimeter defenders and good matchups for Kemba in regards to containing him. And yeah, you mentioned Jalen and Jason. I, I, again, I think those guys really should have been the ones to exploit their matchup like Tobias Harris and Mike Scott. I think those are definitely guys that they could have taken advantage of. Um, Jalen specifically felt pretty non-existent in this game at time. Yeah, it's frustrating, dude. I mean, I said before, he's, he's got to a point now where he does kind of get his buckets and they feel almost anonymous because he's doing so in the flow of the offense. So I've got used to kind of watching out for him more just to see where he's getting them, how he's getting them. He was, he was invisible last night and it was just the way it was, right? He weren't putting up great numbers at all. I mean, what did he finish with? Eight points, uh, five rebounds, two assists, three turnovers. Three of um, nine. Yeah, and only I mean, one free pointer. Yeah, two attempts at the line, which usually Jalen's able to get there. And, you know, it, he did play almost 41 minutes, which is a little bit crazy. You need him there for the defense, obviously, especially some of these bigger guys. Um, but, yeah, most of the the big four, uh, four of the Celtics, played some big minutes. Jalen played about 41 Gordon played almost 37, Kemba 36, about 34 for Jason. So they were really relying on those guys. And we mentioned there's going to be times where not every single one of them doesn't show up, but only Gordon Hayward really seemed to show up when it counted late for me there. And to be fair, actually, you know, Jason Tatum um, hit two big threes down the stretch, but was really rough before that. He did show up in the clutch. But this was just one of those nights where guys looked a little bit out of sync. Maybe it was that back-to-back, you know, just played a very tough game in Indiana. But this is definitely, you know, Keith said that it was the Keith Smith, uh, part of SB Nation, Celtics blog, uh, said that this was the worst loss of the season. Combination of, you know, division rivals, first home loss and all that. And I mean, I would agree. I agree completely, man. Whenever you lose to the Sixers, it's one of the worst losses of the season. And the second loss to this team, too, actually. I forget about opening night, and you almost don't want to count that, but it goes in the record books. So the thing with Tatum is as well, dude, like, he only shot 27.8% from the field, dude. Like, it was just an off-shooting night for him. Again, it was a lot of mid-range, some frees. He shot eight frees. He only hit three of them. He only hit two inside that weren't a free he wasn't driving as much and it felt it did feel like everybody was scared to go out and bead in the lane right nobody was cutting nobody would you were seeing a lot of um ties trying to get guys involved coming off like dribble handoffs but they were just getting the ball and not wanting to attack the rim and that's gonna that's been one of the ways this team's been predicated on offense this year is to attack the rim draw fouls or draw sucking the defense to kick out None of it was happening. It's annoying as well because when you've got guys as athletic as Jalen Brown, as good a shooter as Jason Tatum, you want them to get going. It's not going to happen all the time, but this was one of the worst nights I've seen this season where both of them have played so poorly. Yeah, and the getting to the rim, I know we've criticized uh, Jason Tatum a lot for that and especially his finishing, but Jalen Brown was the big surprise to me there because – 
Uh, I understand being intimidated by Embiid. He's a great rim protector. I believe he was a defensive player of the year candidate last year um, in that top three. I might be wrong on that, but he's definitely up there. He's an elite rim protector. But Jalen is a guy that's not afraid of anyone ever, and that didn't seem like the case this game. So who knows? Maybe it was a combination of things. I do think if Marcus Smart's in this game, we're looking at a very different outcome. Um, But... Yeah, it was just a little rough, and uh, I mean, most of it to me would be credited towards the Celtics just really looking checked out at times. I think that these were fixable mistakes, and it wasn't simply just being uh, the less talented team. I don't think we are less talented. That's the biggest issue for me. Yesterday was we put in less, we had less confidence than they did. I mean, they ran a lot through Joel Embiid, dude. They ran a hell of a lot through Joel Embiid. Yeah. But that's right, you feed the hot hand. Right, and, and that's having, the mismatch for him. Yeah, if he's, having, if he's got the right matchups and he's the one feasting on guys, then you keep feeding them as much as you can. Ben Simmons had a quiet night. Yeah, I think the Celtics have a good matchup there with all these big wings to throw on Simmons. But yeah, obviously Embiid is Embiid's definitely the rough one there. But it was a winnable game, and I think that they'll be able to take little pieces from this and uh, move forward with it. Hayward getting a little bit more comfortable will be good as well. Um, So what you say we take a break and then when we come back, we talk about the indie game. Let's do it. So yeah, the, the day before, man, we got we got beat by Indiana. Similar thing, fourth quarter, we just didn't turn up. Kemba had a, a feast of a game, dude. Yeah, he did, man. Uh, at one point, and, and it's just so in the flow of the offense. Like, I hate bringing up Kyrie, but, you know, you kind of have to have the comparison. It was what we watched all of last year. The way that Kemba works off ball is so different than Kyrie. Like, Kyrie was guilty of just kind of watching a little bit and there was a lot of dribbles when he would get the ball. He's insane. Don't get me wrong. Kyrie Irving is a wizard with the ball in his hands. I think he's absolutely absurd, but Kemba, it like surprised me at one point. I was like, wow, he really has 30 something points right now. And it doesn't even feel like he's been asserting himself in that sort of way. He hasn't dude. That's the worst thing about it. He's um, he met, as you said, he makes a lot of good movement off the ball. He gets himself in good positions to receive the ball. He's, he's a willing passer. He's got some unselfish pass, passing in that game alone where he was setting guys up instead of shooting himself. It's a completely different type of player than what we had in Kyrie. 44 points is fantastic. I mean, he shot 46.7%, dude, and he shot three. That was from three. Shot 57.1 from the field. Yeah. Five or seven from the line. He was drawing fouls. He was doing everything that you need Kemba to do or you want Kemba to do. My biggest issue was the bench. We Our bench just could not produce in that game, dude. Did you, do you know how much we got beat by on the benches? I don't off the top of my head. So the Pacers bench outscored us 40 to set, 47 to 19. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that, in that, to that really was those holiday brothers, I think. I think they combined for nearly 40 and they were practically all open, wide open three point jumpers, like on terrible help rotations. Brogdon done his thing too. I mean, obviously it's starting lineup at that point, but 29 points, eight assists, 15 for 15 from the line. 
Yeah, killer at the free throw line. I think maybe four of those came at the end when Celtics were doing their little bit of fouling to try to get back in it. But yeah, Brogdon, Brogdon had just an amazing game. And I actually thought Sabonis was the best player for the Pacers on this one. I think he feasted double-double by halftime. Well, yeah. before halftime. Yeah, I was surprised he only ended with 14 rebounds. Um, yeah, I think there was like six minutes left in the second, and he already had that double-double. Um, and yeah, it, it, the matchups were kind of what we predicted with Jalen guarding Miles Turner and then Tyson Sabonis, but they were doubling when Sabonis would get the ball, and then the rotations weren't there. Um, there was a couple cutters, that, and Sabonis is a great passer. Eight assists in this game. He needs a lot of credit for his passing. I thought he did a better job than Embiid did with that, actually. Um, not to say that Embiid struggled there or anything, but Sabonis hit great weak side, uh, wherever the help was coming from, and then the rotations were not quite there. I think Hayward looked a little bit out of sorts. Um, was this his first game back? No. No, no, no. It was his second back. Yeah. Um, and then he got hit in the face by Doug McDermott and had to go back. Right. And that was a very big loss. And, you know, there was a tough whistle that you could mention. I think Tice uh, definitely got frustrated with that. But I thought it was a bit of a touchy whistle on both ends. Um, and Jalen in this game, though, man, I thought this was one of the best playmaking games we have seen from Jalen all year. I believe he ended with eight assists on the night. Yeah. Eight assists, 18, eight and eight. I tweeted out, dude, I was tweeting about it during the game. I stayed up for that one. Um, if he keeps passing like that, he's going to become a different animal. Yeah. And he, he was fantastic. Uh, sorry to cut. Yeah. He was fantastic doing, um, loads of different things on offense, passing really, really well, smart passes, coming off screen, catching guys coming off screens, coming over the top of guys and hitting them on, on like backdoor cuts. He was, he was ridiculously good. The only issue is he fouled out. Yeah, he was. And the last foul by him was just so stupid. It was so, it was like classic Jalen, you know, biting on a little pump fake from Brogdon, I believe it was. Um, and Brogdon just being smart and jumping into him and, and throwing it up. So he was a little, again, it was the defense of this game. You know, like the Celtics played a great first three quarters, really. I thought the first half was, was okay. They, they did enough to keep them in the game. And in that third quarter, they outscored the Pacers by 14 points, had a 10 point lead going into the fourth and then gave up 38 points in the fourth quarter. So a lot turnovers of turnovers killed defense. them though in the, in the fourth. They had seven turnovers in the fourth alone. Yes. And that was in six minutes. In the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, they had all of those turnovers. It was it was disgusting from them. You're digging yourself a hole at that point. I mean, to be fair to Brown, the only reason he was on the court in the first place was because Hayward had took that hit and had to go back to the bench. I don't think Brown would have been on the floor at that moment in time otherwise. But having Brown foul out, Hayward off the floor with injury, Tice was what on his fourth or fifth foul as well. Yeah, Tice ended up fouling out as well. Exactly. So all of a sudden, you're in massive foul trouble. Your best defender's not in the game at all because he's hurt. One of your other best defenders has just took a shot to the face. And then another one of your best, two of your best defenders have just fouled out. You, at that point, on top of the turnovers, there's only so much you can do before the game can get away from you. It was just fourth quarter blues, dude. It happened that game, happened the next day in Philly. Yeah, and, you know, Jalen Brown was great on the offensive end. He had his questions on defense, obviously. And guarding a big uh, definitely was a little bit of a part of that. But this was 
the second game what would end up being the first of two games in a row, uh, if you're counting the Philly game as well, where Jason Tatum just did not have the impact that you expect him to. Dude, it was a poor night. 16 points, but he shot four for 13, two for eight from deep, turned the ball over three times. He, he just hasn't clicked the last two games, and that happens, dude. Everybody goes through slumps. But it's like he's gone from the top of the mountain right to the bottom overnight. Right. He definitely has some consistency that that you question a bit, but it's easy to forget the guy's 21 years old, you know. Um, He's definitely going to be coming along there. And then another note I have here is that Grant Williams, man, in seven minutes, a little upwards, uh, a little below eight minutes, five fouls in that time. And that's the thing, dude. Maybe that's one of the reasons he didn't play in Philly. If he's biting on everything, he's putting, he's putting, getting into foul trouble. It puts pressure on the other guys to, to kind of help him a bit more, get on, help on his man a little bit more, trying to keep him from fouling out. Allows other guys to kind of abuse that situation as well, try and force guys into doubles where there wouldn't need to really be a double. Force guys out of position, force switches that you don't really want. Young guy, rookies get the whistle. Rookies get unfriendly whistles. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think that I, I believe he came in and played the center for a good bit of this, and just does not have a friendly matchup against either Miles Turner or Sabonis. I believe he was guarding Sabonis, and they did. Brad had to throw a couple different guys at him with with uh, Tice getting in foul trouble very quickly in this game, and obviously Cantor has his defensive struggles as much as. That worked against Embiid. Sabonis is a little bit faster and has capabilities on the perimeter more so than Embiid. So that makes this one a tough matchup for him. Do you think we missed Rob Williams in this game? I have missed Rob Williams just for trying a different defense, like throwing something else at them, you know? I feel like Rob Williams probably would have done the best job out of the centers we've got at the defending guarding Sabonis. It'd be interesting. I think he has really good hands in the passing lanes. Um, I think that he could be interesting on Miles Turner, who really is like a similar build to him in a way where they're more, they're just very lengthy guys. And that, that would have been interesting to me. And, and yeah, that rim protection against Sabonis definitely would have came in hand in handy. I think that when Rob is on, he's the second best defensive big that the Celtics have and Tice is just such a different big where he's undersized that um, it it definitely could have came in handy against both of these teams yeah exactly I do think that he's been a we're only now now he's not on the floor because he's hurt this is when you really start to judge the player's impact when you actually like well what would have happened if he was there he's been doing well like say he changed his guys shots he can grab boards I think Sabonis was feasting on guys just because he had that bit of athleticism over Tice and Kanta. Where and he's looked he looked like he was stronger than both of those guys too. Definitely um a lot sneakier than they are around the rim. Having a guy like Rob Williams that's just gonna jump out of the gym every time that you want to go up and make you really have to work for those points or rebounds would have been really handy. Sabonis is passing though, dude. That's that's another level as well. He's re- he's really, really good. Yeah, he uh, that guy is so much fun to watch. And on, on a little bit of a different note, we had mentioned uh, previously on our other shows that I was interested in like a Jalen Brown, Miles Turner swap. No, thank you. Like Miles Turner is nice and all and a great modern big, 
uh, struggled a bit this year, but I'm still all in on Jalen Brown at this point, man. Yeah, I like Turner. I don't like him as much as I like Brown at all, to be fair. I mean, he's good. He, he stretches the floor. He's, like you say, he's a mud and big. Bam yeah, Adebayo, he, maybe. Right, like those guys can be perfect fits for modern bigs. Like Miles Turner, to me, can be a Marcus Gasol without the passing. And like that is a great player. And I think Bam Adebayo can be Al Horford, who is a great player. But I, I don't think that they are all stars like can, like um, Jalen Brown can be. Well, okay, sorry. So Gasol and Horford obviously are all stars, but they're they're elite role players rather than guys that are going to be able to take over. I get what you're saying. Makes perfect sense to me. They're both really, really good defenders. They can both stretch the floor. They're both good at allowing passage of play to continue. They can just keep the ball moving, get their teammates involved. Elite role player is probably the best way to describe both of those guys. I mean, Marcus Gasol's an elite defender. Al Horford's a high-level defender. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely compliments to those guys, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah just, for sure, dude. It's not Jalen has blown me away this year. And Jalen's defense is no joke when he's locked in. It's just... We've seen, offen- yeah, we've seen offensive jumps from both Brown and Tatum this year. Now we need to see a defensive jump. The defense needs to catch up with the offense. It's like Smart, right? We've always yeah. needed Smart's offense to catch up with his defense. We need the complete reverse in Brown and Tatum. And that's going to come, dude. Both are young guys. It just it sucks that both of them have had poor games at the exact same time as each other. Yeah, and especially on the defensive end, I think you mentioned, you know, you really miss guys when they're not there. You feel that impact or lack of their impact. Obviously, you got to mention Smart, you know, Um, and I think that it's very good he's getting this rest for himself. Smart was beat up all over the place. He has some eye issue going on that's currently keeping him out um, that previously was a sickness that was keeping him out, but it's good that he's getting this little bit of rest. Uh, He'll come back and be the crazy animal that we all expect him to be, but yeah, I, I think that Jay, uh, Jalen Brown's defense gets more praise than Jason, even though I don't know if it should at times. I think that Jason is a really good defender, but just quietly. And you don't see him mentioned as much. And that's mainly because he's not making mistakes. I think he's just a very sound defender, and that's great. And Jalen's going to make a little bit more highlight plays that stand out with steals that'll lead to some nice breakaway highlight jams and things like that. But he falls asleep more often. And I think just communication in general, um, their individual defense, I think I've been fine with, but it's really that help defense and rotations and Hayward looked off in this Indiana game, especially as well. And you got to think that Mark is coming back. And like you mentioned, really quarterbacking this defense and the communication will make a huge impact there. Yeah, it has to, dude, has to. I mean, Hayward, you can kind of forgive a little bit. He's just had, what, was it 14 games, 12, 14 games off? At least, I think. Yeah, so like that's fine. You know, you want to take a bit of time to work your way back into the rotations, understand what you need to do on defense, fine. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have both been reading passing lanes really well over the last few weeks. They've been getting some nice breakaway dunks because of their anticipation there. But it's flashes, dude. We just need to see it more consistently. The Celtics play a really high IQ level of defense as well. When you're switching the way they switch, you need to be switched on every single play for that defense to work. Uh, 
You know, it's not always going to be great. Sometimes guys aren't going to be having the most switched on of nights. It's the regular season. But I do think that that's a big part of it as well. The fact that because they switch everything and they switch so consistently and constantly that if they're not switched on for every single play, missed rotations are going to happen. Yeah, that it's definitely complicated and a lot of uh, things that need to be kept track of when you're switching on defense. And, you know, sometimes they're not trying to switch and uh, mainly with the five man there or having to scram someone off of them. So I, I think that, yeah, the communication is an absolutely huge part of that. But um, yeah, it was a couple rough games back to back for the Celtics. It, it definitely hurts to lose these against these two uh, Eastern conference opponents that are probably within definitely within that top five of the East and Philadelphia specifically, but they got a five game break here now before they head on to Dallas. So I'd expect them to hopefully get more healthy with Rob and, and smart being hopefully being available for that Dallas game, praying nothing happens during any practices or anything like that and tighten up all these defensive rotations. There's only one way he's up at the moment. I feel like that's the only best way to say it. Fourth, I just want to see better fourth quarters. We, we've been hanging in there. We hung in there with Philadelphia all the way until the middle of the fourth. Yeah, so in we, Indiana, we were there until the fourth. Yeah, it's just poor fourth quarters, poor decision-making uh, certain times. I remember there was a point in, towards the very end of the game against Indiana where Tatum had the ball. There's about 30 seconds, maybe a bit less on the clock. He should have called a timeout, should have called for a timeout to reset, get an ATO, a nice play, one of Brad, a Brad Stevens special. It is what it is, though. Young guys still learning. I'm not going to get too down on a back-to-back loss against two of the better teams in the division. I just don't want it to be losing the series against each of these teams in the regular season to give them a full mental advantage if we meet them in the playoffs. I do think that's that's a big thing as well, especially with such a young team. You want to try and keep an even playing field at be- at worst, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that kind of like we mentioned in that Philadelphia segment is the most encouraging thing is that these were very fixable mistakes that happened. Like these were winnable games for, for both Indiana oh, and Philadelphia. 100%, dude. But I tell you what, I think we've covered both of these games. We've got a nice break now so we can come up with some, uh, some different ideas for Monday's episode. And then again, we've probably Wednesday next game, Wednesday. The next game is on Wednesday, yeah. So we'll have a nice segment for Wednesday where we can preview and then we'll be back again on Friday to see to talk about whatever tran- unfolds during that game. Transpires was the better word. Let's go with whatever transpires. <laughs> so guys, thanks for listening as usual. We'll, my name's Adam. This is Brendan. We're here three times a week. We're also available on Twitter pretty much all the time. Brendan and I are quite bad for that, really. We need to get lives, dude. Yeah. Nah. So bad. Nah. <laughs> and we'll be back on Monday. Hit us up via Twitter or our emails are in our bios if you want any questions or you want us to discuss certain topics. Or you want to send Adam any Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, dude. Out of all you listeners, not one of you is in a festive spirit to hook me up. I'm offended. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, guys. Say bye, Brendan. Bye-bye.